0: Welcome to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart Podcast. I am your host, Karen Litzy, and I want to thank you for joining me today. And as you are all well aware, we've got just a couple of weeks left of 2016, so I hope you are all enjoying the holiday season and have lots of fun stuff planned for 2017. I know I do. Um, I don't have quite all the details, but I'm working on it. And once I have all the details figured out, I will share it with you all, but know if you are an aspiring physical therapy practice owner or you already have a practice and want to take it to the next level, um, working on a project that will be perfect for you, and I will get more details to you when I have them, but it's very exciting. Now, talking about exciting, on this week's episode, I am thrilled to have on Christoph Trapp, also known as the authentic storyteller. He is a career storyteller who has worked as a journalist, a nonprofit executive, and a content marketing strategist and consultant. He is a global keynote speaker, frequent blogger, and author. His digital initiatives have been recognized globally. He is currently helping hospitals across the United States share their authentic stories. He is a globally recognized content marketing expert who frequently speaks at marketing conferences about social media, blogging, and results oriented storytelling strategies. He has won several awards, sits on two global boards to advance the art and science of authentic story, telling and content marketing. And his role as Senior Director of Content Marketing and Content content creation at MedTouch, Christoph and his team handled content writing across all sizes of website projects and advises healthcare brands across the United States on blogging, social media, and e-newsletter strategies, how to align those strategies with patients, members, donor acquisition efforts. The team also partners closely with clients as needed to implement those strategies, a key part of the team's success is internal engagement with physicians and leaders who actively request their guidance. The Content Marketing Institute has listed the team as a top global content marketing agency. And everything you need to know about Christoph, you can find over at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com. In the show notes, we've got links to everything. So what do we talk about in this episode? We talk about the importance of storytelling. And after going to the Explain Pain 3 with uh, doctors Butler and Mosley and Jensen, I, I can't stress enough how important storytelling is not just getting your content out there to get people in the door, but once you get those people in the door, it's all about creating a story or a narrative around the person that's in front of you. And this will help your treatment. It will help with patient engagement. So... In this episode, we talk about why healthcare practitioners should develop the skill of authentic storytelling, how to promote your story to the world to make the largest impact, how ego can maybe sabotage your authentic story, how to craft a compelling and meaningful story, and so much more. Christoph is... Fantastic. If you ever have the chance to see him speak, I highly suggest it. Check out all of the links. Like I said, you can find them all at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com. Find out more about him, follow him because the art of storytelling is something that is so vital in healthcare and certainly vital in physical therapy. So make sure you check it out. And without further ado, please enjoy this episode of Healthy, Wealthy and Smart. Hi, Christoph. Welcome to the podcast. I'm thrilled and honored to have you on. Welcome. You
1: bet. Thank you for having me. My pleasure.
0: Yeah. Oh, my, my pleasure. So today we're going to talk about being an authentic storyteller and uh, being a storyteller in general and as it relates to healthcare. And I think a lot of people may find those two to be opposing thoughts, but we're going to work through that to show that it's not. But before we get into that, let's take break down the authentic storyteller. So what is your definition of being authentic, and how does that relate to being a good storyteller?
1: Yeah, fantastic question. So authentic means that it's actually a story that has happened um, and you know for a long time we've had the system where where companies and and organizations, businesses come up with these stories that they would, um, you know, come up with in a committee meeting or whatever it might be. And they say, this is going to be our story, but it actually isn't happening. In fact, sometimes you can see um, the sign of this still happening when you say, well, you should encourage people to share those stories, you know, your customers. And they say, well, but what if they don't experience that that same story that we came up with in the marketing committee meeting. And so that's not necessarily an authentic story. It doesn't mean it's uh, fiction, but maybe it's, you know, it's like a dream. You're like, this is our perfect state we want to get to, but really, and that's okay to a degree, but authentic storytelling is it has happened. Um, there's a reason why we would want to share it. And I know we'll probably talk about that some more, you know, how do you know what to share and what not to share? Um, and, and people might care about it, and it actually helps your business overall. But the, the key ingredient is it actually has had to have happened. And, and sometimes when, when I talk about who's actually um, doing this well, you know, journalists kind of have a knack to, to get into the uh, realm of authentic storytelling because that's really what they're supposed to be doing anyway. Something happens, they report on it, and um, there you go. I get it. Not every journalist necessarily does that as well as others. But in theory, that's that's how journalists work.
0: And where does this fit in, this authentic storytelling, fit into the healthcare narrative? So first, and we'll talk about maybe how to make that fit into your, your business. If Let's say you're an entrepreneur. You know, a lot of people that listen to this podcast are entrepreneurs, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. But let's talk about how does this concept of authentic storytelling fit into the day-to-day life of a healthcare practitioner versus someone who is doing keynote speeches and giving talks around the country? How does this fit into a day-to-day life?
1: Yep, absolutely. So really what it comes down to is whoever tells the best stories wins, right? I mean, there's some uh, cases where you're just going to go to the clinic that's nearest you, but whoever tells the best stories actually wins. So if you think about, um, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Z Dog MD. He does these videos. Have you seen them before? Uh, no. Um, okay. So he basically, he was a Stanford physician, and then he decided that that whole system wasn't working for him, and he was going to do this startup healthcare system in Las Vegas. And he produces these videos, and basically they're raps about whatever the, the topic of the day might be, right? Um, end of life directives, um, other things like that. But what he does, he shares those things in a very, very unique way. And he, he kind of makes a name for himself, right? People come to the clinic, people know about him, people know about his mission, which is, you know, how do you reinvent healthcare? Um, not necessarily throw everything out, but how do you how do you improve certain things? So he is sharing he's he's essentially sharing an authentic story around what he's trying to do and and when you hear people talk about um what is our differentiator why do we do something um it it, it's much easier to actually do that through storytelling than let's say pricing so right pricing can be commoditized right that some of those things um so if you can tell a better story people first of all actually find you because as we know just by sharing things online, people end up finding your content, right? Because they search for it. Um, like if you look at my blog, I know, I know exactly what people are searching for. I know exactly what, what works and what, uh, what causes, um, people to end up there and what's interesting to people. But really what it comes back to is I'm sharing stories around what's important to me, what has happened, what's authentic. And then also what has to do with my business. And you can totally translate that to healthcare. So if your mission as a healthcare um, startup or or clinic, whatever your mission is, just share stories around that mission. One time I was working with um a high-risk um OB doctor, and you know, she was sharing all these different things around, you know, how many people should you bring to your ultrasound? Um how do you reveal the gender of your baby? How do you do this? Like all these different topics that her target audience cares about and then also that she would um th- that she would actually experience herself because she's obviously um in that practice. So once you do that and once you become known for that, people find you, people um identify with you and the stronger your mission actually is, um the better, right? So you have to have a point of view on something. And I, especially when I was in the nonprofit world, nonprofits had no points of views ever. You know, they were always like, um, oh, we don't want to talk about that. We don't have an opinion. But of course they always, everybody has opinions on everything. It's just a question on whether or not you want to share it. But, um, but what happens is if you're too wishy-washy, if you're not standing for something, right? It's not a differentiator. You cannot stand out by being the same. So sometimes, um, sometimes you have to be controversial, but not just to be controversial because it matters, right? Because it's a topic that actually matters to you. Um, and that's how you decide some of the things that you share. Um, and then you just have to share them all over the place, everywhere, on your website, on social media, um, on podcasts. If the TV station comes calling, go on TV. I, you know, one, once, um, story that happened a few weeks ago here, um, a high school football teammate of mine was a police officer in Des Moines, and there was two police officers who were ambushed and killed right overnight. And he was one of those officers. And what I did is, you know, first of all, I shared that news, not that every, I mean, people knew that news anyways, but, but I shared that I had some connection to that news and then I ended up going on TV and talking about him. And I remember when I was a reporter, people would say, "Don't talk to the media." You know, it's if the family is not talking, you shouldn't. Nobody should be talking. But the way I looked at it is, and I didn't talk to the family or anybody except the media. But I said, you know, I actually want to share some of his story, like from what I remember. And the only way people will piece it together is by actually having somebody talk to them. So as you can see, that was important to me, and it actually fit in with what I do with storytelling. And anybody can do that in whatever field they're in. They just kind of have to get used to it. And then later that night, I wrote a blog post. Um, took like 15 minutes, and, and all it said was um, – you know, I cried today because he, um, he was ambushed and killed. And then the next sentence was something to the effect of, and then I had to explain this whole thing to my eight year old, you know, and then I just talked about that. And what happened is, um, very simple story. It happened. It fit in with the importance of sharing our stories. And I actually had, you know, football players email me and others. I mean, it's really only relevant to share when there are people who you don't think of as, as crying like ever, but, um, other football players, they email me and they said, I cried today too. You know, thank you for sharing this important story. And so that's kind of how you have to get there. And that's how you can actually, um, help being known for whatever you want to be known for. And sometimes, um, it's a topic that, that you shouldn't have any opinion on, right. And you shouldn't participate in, mm-hmm. but if you do, if there's something you can add, you should totally do it. And you shouldn't be afraid because um, for some reason we're too humble or we're too, um, you know, too shy or whatever it might be.
0: Yeah. And, and it sounds to me like before you can even get your, the narrative of your story together, I think we have to sort of back it up and really find out what we stand for, what our values are, maybe what the the your your vision for your whether it be your company or for yourself before you even start making these stories before you even get out there into the world would that be correct to say that you have to kind of back it up and know what you stand for first
1: yep absolutely and you know you don't have to have it fully flushed out but you do want to have an idea you know what is it that you stand for why do you do what you do Um, you know, and and kind of go from there. I always recommend to write it down so you have it written down and you can kind of adjust it along the way when something um, might change or there is something new you thought about. Um, But definitely think about that first. Why is it? Why do you do what you do? What's the point? What are you trying to accomplish?
0: Yeah, what is your purpose? What is your purpose? Why are you there? And, And where do you want to go? Right? And I think if you have a clear picture as to some of those questions, and it like you said, it doesn't have to be fully fleshed out, but at least have a pretty clear picture on what your purpose is, then I think your storytelling can fall into place because you'll know kind of what you're really passionate about and what you want to talk about. And if you do, those stories are going to be a little more compelling than something they you don't really care about. Does that make sense?
1: At, at to- totally. And, you know, and also, thinking forward is, how do you want to make an impact? Mm -hmm. And this is kind of an interesting, this is an interesting point, because every once in a while, especially this, I only get pushback on this sometimes from like, um, fairly high ranking leaders, and they sometimes say, well, maybe it's not about making an impact, maybe it's about just having a job. And I, you know, when people say that to me, what it typically means is, it means one of two things. First of all, Maybe there is currently some kind of budget problems going on and they don't have time to think about it. Or what's really going on is they haven't actually experienced what it means to make an impact. Um, and making an impact doesn't mean we're not going to get paid anything. It doesn't mean we're not going to, you know, make money. We, we do because obviously we need that. But we need to, um, as a culture as a whole, need to move away a little bit from just this transactional um, relationship kind of model, right? And move towards how do we make an impact? Yep, we have to make money. I get it. Um, but how do we make an impact? And then uh, based on our strength and based on our expertise and based on our, our passions.
0: Yeah. And so, you know, coming from, I come from the physical therapy world, right? So coming from the physical therapy world, you know, your impact may be improving the lives of your patients, You know, I don't think everybody, I think when people think, oh, I have to have an impact in the world, it means like not everybody has to be Bill and Melinda Gates having a global impact, (laughs) right? Do you know what I mean? Like your impact could be, gosh, one of my patients who hasn't left her apartment in a year was able to walk downstairs to go to the bank. That's a tangible, true impact that you have made on one person. So an impact could be, the, the change that you make in one person's lives, it doesn't have to be the entire world.
1: Co- correct. And in fact, for most people, it will, it will never be the entire world anyway. So it can be one person, it could be a community, absolutely. Yep.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And now, let's let's talk about how people can So, okay, let's back up for a second. So, you you figured out what what your purpose is. You know what kind of impact you want to make. You've started your storytelling, whether that be podcasts or blogs or vlogs or tweets or, I don't know, Facebook Live, Instagram, Snapchat, however you're doing it, right? So, let's say you started Mm -hmm. your storytelling and you're really not moving. You're not getting anywhere. So, how can you improve on this to get your word out there.
1: So the, the the biggest thing is, first of all, moving is always kind of an interesting discussion because it does take time, right? So, like, if we start tomorrow and in three days you come to me and say, "Hey, Christoph, is this thing we just started working?" Probably not. Right. Um, so it does take it does take a little bit of time. Um, and then the other thing is, you know, some people say. It's not the best content that wins, but it's, it's the best promoted content that wins. So, first of all, you need to um, figure out what your story is, and then you need to actually share it. You need to promote it, whatever whatever that channel might be. And the biggest thing, and I think healthcare usually kind of misses the boat on this um, across the board, is you have to use the latest channels right now, and you have to hit them hard right now, and because it changes all the time, you know. At some point, Vine was hot for like 18 months, and then all yeah. of a sudden, now it's gone, you know. Um, and then Facebook, Facebook is still hot, but but most organizations have missed the boat on Facebook because it used to be that Facebook would just serve your content to everybody, it didn't have to, co- didn't cost you anything. And today, you have to spend big bucks to get it in front of anybody, right? Because they've already changed their their model, well, sure, um, yeah, the, and, other, and those
0: algorithms change monthly.
1: Oh, probably even more than yeah, that. They change all that. the time. So yeah. you you have you you have to get on that um, on that horse. And I always recommend to have some kind of website presence. So if I think of social media, I love Twitter, especially some of those networks. And uh, but they're a rented land, right? So if Twitter decides to shut down, you and I we can't say anything about it. It's, it's it's shutting down and of story. So it's always important to also have um, something on your website, whether it's a blog, whether it's articles, whether it's a book. I don't really care what the format is, um, but the 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 website is your um, owned land, right? And then social media is your your rented land. And if they ever shut down, so be it. But you still have it on your your website. And then, of course, when people search for it, this is the other important thing why it's important to have unique content and not just talk about the same old crap like everybody else. And CRAP, um, if you might wonder, is actually an acronym. It stands for content really annoying to people. <laughs> and the, <clears throat> that's important because everybody. a lot of people share the same old crap, right? And nobody pays attention to it. So that's why it's important to, if you do authentic storytelling if it happened in my life, chances are somebody else some somewhere may potentially have had the same experience, right? But not exactly the same experience. Or maybe they're not sharing it, right? Or something like that. So so if it happens in my life and it fits in with my mission and what I'm trying to accomplish, I'll share it. Um, and it's actually, it's, it's kind of a little bit of a foolproof way to come up with that unique content. Now, sometimes I tie it in with something else, but I don't just like everybody else is writing about heart month, right. In February, it, everybody says here are the four signs of a heart attack. And I'm like, why is everybody writing the same article? It's such a waste of time. Right. Um, so you want to come up with something unique, um, and you will need to keep going. Um, you just need to keep trying. If you look at some of my first articles that i published, um, they were terrible. Um, every once in a while, you hear other content creators. They share some of their first articles. They were terrible. I mean, it's just, I mean, terrible. Yeah, you oh, know, I'm I, surprised believe me, people even share them. I,
0: I, I get it. I look back at like my first couple of podcasts, and they were horrible. It's cringeworthy. Mm-hmm. I actually should probably take them down from the website. They're terrible. Um, but, you know, yeah. with practice, and I think also kind of, Finding your voice and finding your niche and finding a a system that works for you, I think it gets better. But it's practice, right? Like nobody gets to major league baseball without practice.
1: Exactly. You know,
0: yep. it, nobody, no, no one does that. Um, I, I I like the fact that um, you said sometimes it's not the best contact, but the the best content, but the best promoted content. And I want to kind of touch back on that for a minute um, when. People are thinking promoted content. They're thinking the sort of pay to play, right? So you're either promoting, you're doing promoted tweets on Twitter or you're doing a, a boosted post or a Facebook ad. And what are your thoughts on that? And is that something that even as a, a solopreneur or a small business that we should be doing?
1: Well, it does help you um, accelerate the process. Just a little bit. Um, Could you go without it? Absolutely. Just your ramp up time will take a little longer. Um, I typically recommend to do some kind of paid promotion. Sometimes it's social media. Sometimes it's a display ad. Sometimes it's something else. Sometimes it's in somebody's newsletter, native advertising, whatever it might be. You can't do all those channels, quite honestly, because, I mean, who has that kind of money laying around? But Um, but you could do it to accelerate it. Now, realistically, you don't have to do it to actually be successful. So for example, on my blog, which gets around anywhere between 17 and 30,000 visitors a month now, I I hardly do any um, uh, paid promotion at all. You know, everything I do is um, organic on social. I have a newsletter. Now, of course, search engines are finding articles that I wrote. Um, so you could do it, but if you really, um, when you first get started, I would focus much more energy on actually coming up with what is the unique content. And then if you have something that's taken off, maybe promote that. I wouldn't just throw money after promotion and then be very clear what your goal is. You know, what is your goal with the promotion? Is it just that people see it? Is it that people sign up? Um, And then what channel might they, might it work on? Like I've seen Facebook, it's worked fairly well, but I've seen click-throughs go down quite a bit on Facebook already on paid promotions, unless you have a really good story. And if you have a really good story, it's going to spread on its own anyways, because people share it, even if if they're not reached through paid promotion. Um, And uh, Twitter, it's uh, not quite as, in my opinion, it's a little cheaper when you look at the click-through, uh, the, the cost per click. Uh, and then Instagram, there was an article today I saw somewhere 200,000 advertisers can't be wrong that Instagram is worth it. And I'm like, well, first of all, I don't know what that context is. Like, is that a lot of advertisers or, or not?
0: Yeah, what does but,
1: that mean? Uh, right? Like, I mean, I don't know. And, or Are they all coming from Facebook because Facebook owns Instagram? I did try Instagram for some promotions, and I actually canceled the campaign pretty quickly because it wasn't it wasn't working at all like it was it did not work uh, based on what I was trying to accomplish so it's okay to do if you have the money, but um, it helps to accelerate, but if you have some time, um, you can also go go without it
0: mm-hmm. yeah and th- I think that's sound advice now, getting back to the having an authentic story and having something sort of real to talk about, I think there's one thing that oftentimes can creep up into anyone, I think, when they're telling a story, and that's sort of the ego, right? That concept of the ego and how that can kind of sabotage your story. So can you speak a little bit on that and what people can do to decrease that influence, I guess, or, or tamp it down a little bit?
1: Yep. So basically, every story that I share and I recommend people to share is think about what's in it for the audience. What can they learn? What can you actually teach them? Uh, what's something they can move forward with or that's helpful for them? Or that, you know, that might put you out there as an expert, but ultimately it's about the audience, right? So if, it, if there's nothing in it for them, don't share it. If you're just bragging, um, and there's nothing they can learn from it. Uh, maybe it's not worth sharing because you don't want to look. You don't, you don't want to look like you're just bragging. But like the formula, like if you if you really break down everything I write, uh, it, it's really a formula, right? It's like here's here's what has happened. Here's what I learned from it. Here's what you can learn from it, FYI. And here are some other things that come to mind that might be related, right? But everything that happens there's some kind of um, conflict that was overcome, right? So you could look like um, that that might be where your ego comes in because you overcame this this conflict and now you want to show it off. But really what you do is you just turn it around and make it an educational experience. Now, the trick here is you don't want to sound like you're better than everybody else either. You just want to say, here's what happened. Here's what I learned. Um, Here are some things people could do themselves if they face this. Um, and then kind of wrap it up with, um, as a story, um, you know, for the most part, I don't hear that people are sharing stories where they're bragging too much. Usually I hear it the other way, right? They don't want to share it because they're too humble mm-hmm. because like, why, like, why does my story matter? Why should I share this? What's why, 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 why would anybody care? I do this exercise with uh, in in the workshops and and also sometimes when i speak and i say okay take one minute talk to your neighbor tell them a story and you'd be surprised and then i just stand there for a second because usually what happens is people don't like start yeah and like 95 percent of the time people somebody will raise their hand and they'll ask you a question and then somebody also ask you a question and they're like 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 what kind of story does it have to be work related does it Like, does it have, when, when did it need to have happened? Like everybody has all these questions and then, um, you know, everybody needs explanations. So it's like, we need this framework around what we're doing, but ultimately it's just share something that was meaningful to you and that you think the person you're talking to might care about. You don't know if they care about it or not, right? Because you don't really know them. Because you're sitting next to each other, unless it's a workshop at a company, you might know each other. Um, but just um, just share something that you think is meaningful. And this is, I think, where, where most storytelling um, strategies actually fail because people overthink it so much
0: totally. that
1: they that they don't publish it. And the other day, I was talking to I was talking to a healthcare marketer. And he says, I don't like this story. I'm like, well, why not? What's wrong with the story? And he said, it's not like it's too one-sided. And I'm like, but it's this one person's opinion. And he said, it is. So maybe we should have a counter opinion from somebody else. (laughs) And I'm like, that is a fantastic idea because typically what people might do, they might say, we're killing this article. We don't want to publish it, right? But, but when you're a good storyteller, what you actually do is you always find a way to publish, even if you don't publish it exactly the way it was first produced, right? But you always find a way to make it somehow worthwhile for your audience. Um, and then the other thing is when people are struggling with sharing, encourage other people to share stories, right? So if, if you, know, you and I work together and you don't want to share a success story but because you might think it's bragging, but for me to share your story with your permission is actually recognition, right? And that's, mm-hmm. uh, that's actually very different. So that's another way to get around that um, when you have a good team.
0: Oh, yeah, that makes sense. And, you know, I also love that you said when you write, you sort of have this formula of what happened to me, what I learned, what you can learn, and then some closing thoughts. I mean, that's, that makes it, in my mind, just made writing so much easier just with that little Uh, having that structure there. And, you know, I, as you were talking about, you know, people don't want to share because they don't think that maybe what they have to say is valuable. I'm sitting here shaking my head because for me, that's one of the hardest things for me to do is to share something because I feel I have that sort of imposter syndrome of, well, why would people listen to me anyway? You know, and, and it was really hard to get over that. I just wrote an article on pain, I know pain, I can discuss pain inside and out. But I was like, I had other people reading, like, can you read it? Does it sound okay? Is this okay? Does it, instead of just putting it out there, which I still haven't done widely yet, because I'm still a little nervous. You know, because I feel like it has to be perfect.
1: Right. And it will never be perfect. And, um, and what I, so I always go back to uh, so I played football at the University of Iowa and my, um, my offensive line coach said to me, I was a center. So you make a lot of calls and, and people follow you as a lead. So my coach said, you know, I don't really care if you're confident or not, Christoph, fake it, you know, just pretend like you're confident. And so I said that one time at, at a talk and somebody came up to me and said later, are you saying fake it until you make it? I'm like, that is not what I'm saying at all, but just, you know, grow into it right if you're not confident, grow into it like even when I speak or even when I'm writing or whatever like I'm not that confident either at all in fact when I'm speaking usually it's I'm it's kind of nerve-wracking you know like especially right before and you just um, you just kind of have to move along and think about how does it fit in with what I'm trying to do and then really kind of grow into it and make it you know, think about how how can it be easier for you. So when I'm speaking, I just think of it as a conversation. You know, like like I ditch the PowerPoint now. Like I don't do PowerPoint. I just, what? You know, here's what we talk about. Yep.
0: I have to tell you, the PT world is like PowerPoint City.
1: It's and it's everywhere. I don't know if you saw Tom Fishburne. He does. Um, he's the market tunist, and he just published um, a PowerPoint. Um, cartoon yesterday and I think it's this guy in front of uh, the bed or, or the desk or table or something and was his wife I assume is sitting there and she says can you have a conversation without a PowerPoint oh, and he says bad. I will take questions at the end and um, you know so anyway so what I found is you do need to practice a little bit more when you don't have a PowerPoint um, but what happens is it first of all it, it's a differentiator Right, because everybody else uses PowerPoint, um, so you can actually. I usually make fun of it. I say, and what's the one thing that's already different about what I'm doing today than everybody else has done? And they're like, no PowerPoint. I'm like, good guess. You know, like people notice, um, and nobody has ever complained that that there's no PowerPoint. And then the other thing is, it actually makes it a discussion. It makes it a conversation. So everything. So storytelling is a conversation, even when people are not talking back and this this part is really hard for people to understand because you know you have marketers and they go okay we want comments on our articles right and i'm saying and i'm like that's a good idea but first of all you're not going to get any comments. then you're going to get spam and most people won't leave a comment even if they have a strong opinion so you still have a conversation but people aren't necessarily talking back right they're having a conversation with you based on sharing the article, reading it, they might send you an email, um, some of those things. And that's really, really hard for people to wrap their head around that that matters. Oh, yeah. And same with, with, with you know, same when you're speaking. I mean, you're speaking and you still have a conversation because you still have to read people's body language and the more people you have, the harder it gets. Um, and then, you know, how many presentations have you been in where somebody has a question and then, and then the presenter says, just one second, like that's in two slides, you know, and they like put you in your place because you're out of order. And so that's not a conversation, right? That's mm-hmm. just, read, read my PowerPoint. Um, so something, something to think about, how do you tell a story and how do you um, make it as most meaningful for everybody involved?
0: Yeah. And, you know, a couple of months ago I went to, a talk here in New York City with Brene Brown and Chris Anderson, who mm-hmm. now uh, owns the the TED conference, and it, his book came out TED Talks, and he's everything that you're saying are the same things that he was saying. And when he said, when you're you're thinking about telling your story, that you're offering it to your audience as a gift. You know, it's an idea. It's mm-hmm. something that matters. It's it's not. You're not jamming it down their throat, you know, but instead you're saying, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm giving you this because I believe it's something that, that will be of value to you, and I think that that has to be kept in mind, whether it be in a, a talk in front of an audience or writing a blog or doing a podcast. You know, you're, you're, you're always thinking of it as this is a gift, and I'm giving this to you as a gift, and I really want you to enjoy it. And I think that can kind of help people, especially live, when you have to give something live. Because I don't know about you, but I get really nervous. But when I think about it as I'm just sharing a gift to someone, and like you said, it's like you're just having a conversation, as if you had people over your house for dinner that you know and love. It's the same thing. How would you describe it to those people? How would you tell your story to those people? It's going to be the same telling it in front of a group of 100 strangers.
1: hmm Yep, you know? exactly. Yep, and you know the one thing you mentioned too is uh, think about the channels. What's what's your preferred channel? You know, um, I I do believe that most people can write and share something in writing. But let's say you you, you don't want to write, maybe you do live video, or maybe you do record a video, or maybe you do, um, you know, a podcast, or maybe you do. I mean, who knows what? You know, like Instagram kind of picture thing or something like that. So, so there's all these different ways to share stories now and share what you stand for, or like Z dog MD, you know, do rap videos. Now I couldn't do that. Like no, first, all, I can't sing. And, you know, and second of all, I, I'm not sure I could edit it like that. And I don't know if he does that himself or not, but, um, but think about the channel and what are you most comfortable with and what's, and, and also where's your audience. Um, but but there's, um, don't be so stuck on one channel or another, you know, figure out what you, um, what works and even for video, I mean, there's people on YouTube and I get it. Some of them are filmmakers, right? And now yeah. they're just doing it on YouTube. They got like 5 million subscribers and really all they do is they just share stories about things going on every day. Oh yeah. Um, so, you know, so it, it certainly works on different channels and you just got to figure out where your, uh, where your niche is.
0: Yeah, and I think that's great advice, and and also you don't have to do every single channel, right? Right. Yep. I mean, gosh, talk about taking up time. Um, And now, uh, when we getting back to sort of uh, to the storytelling aspects of it as well. So there's, I think there's a point where you want to be vulnerable, and you want to. Like you said, show show yourself this was something that happened to you. You want to be vulnerable, vulnerable enough. But where does that get into the oversharing aspect of it, right? Because you don't want to overshare because, boy, that can really turn people off. And I think that can be a, a, a sort of a fine line to walk on. So do you have any advice for people on being vulnerable but not sharing too much?
1: Yeah. So I don't think anybody says, I think I don't know anybody that says I want to be vulnerable. I think most everybody, when they get to that, first of all, that's like a couple of phases down, down the road in storytelling to share stories where we actually appear vulnerable. Um, but don't share it to be vulnerable Share it because there's something in there that your audience can learn from, or, or even, you know, sometimes it could just be for, for, for personal reasons, like for, um, I just want to talk about, I just want to get my thoughts out about this. And I, um, I'm not sure anybody will learn anything from it, but here's what happened to me. Here's, you know, and, and it might help me um, to share that. So those are the kind of things to think about. And, and some of the stories that come to mind, you know, I mean, we, I blogged about, um, you know, we had a miscarriage 10 years ago now. Right. And, but I didn't blog about it until like eight years after the fact. And people, act, but I published it at, at a time when somebody else was having a really, really bad pregnancy. So I tied it to that event. See how that's still? So that's the authentic story eight years ago. And then this is the current story that's kind of prompting me to talk about it. So I'm not just saying eight years ago, here's what happened. too mm-hmm. bad for me. I'm saying, here's what just happened. And I don't usually say today, or, but here, you know, this thing happening reminded me of this and here's how I made it through that. And you know, here's, here's kind of the different phases to go through. Um, and, and you can do that really with, with anything. I mean, even, I I did a thing on when I had to pick my dog in my 14 year old German shorthair, um, you know, on his last car ride to, to the vet. Right. I mean, same thing. Um, and so I shared that and but it's like you want to think about what is something people might care about what is something that people can learn from it what can you learn from it I mean there's um, there's sometimes articles when when I share things I was like oh maybe maybe this is it you know and you learn something yourself just because you're verbalizing it Um, sometimes um, especially in healthcare I think we want to be very very careful uh, with visuals, um, I you know I don't have any research or anything like that, but i I have noticed a trend that that people are sharing more and more graphic photos. and I think I think what happens is when you share photos that are graphic, at some point we get desensitized to that, right? So they don't have the same impact anymore. or we just kind of ignore them because we just don't want to see it anymore. and And you see the same thing with like patient stories. So everybody, started doing patient stories and most patients, not maybe not most, but many patient stories today they sound like this. Hi, I'm Christoph Trapp and I had whatever disease and I would not be alive without this hospital. And I'm so thankful for this person, this person, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And they have state of state of the art precision medicine or whatever the latest buzzword is. And you know, at some point, people can't don't have enough empathy, honestly, anymore to listen to any of these stories because they all sound the same, and they're they're sometimes too marketing. So you want to think about you want to be careful with how you share it, what you share, uh, what the purpose of it of the whole thing is, um, you know, and then and then of course share it at the right time.
0: Of course, and you know, we have time for for one more. I sort of one more thought that I'd like to run by you here and this was based on one of your blog posts and I think this is gonna be a question that may hit a nerve with a lot of people and that is what if let's say I have a great story to tell but I'm boring what if I feel like I'm boring like I don't have anything like I have all these great stories but maybe I'm like a boring talker or a boring writer or maybe I'm a real introvert and therefore I, I can't do this. So what, what do you say to those people?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, I, I actually wrote that after after I saw somebody who was really boring. But they had, they had really, really good content if you really thought about it. So I think, that, I think the trick is to figure out what is the right way to move past it and then practice so I think sometimes what happens is um, like the whole PowerPoint thing, you know, like when I tell people I don't do PowerPoint, they're like, well, how are you going to speak? And I'm like, PowerPoint doesn't even help me to talk, you know, like at all. So sometimes I think what happens is we try to fit into a system, right? So if you say, could you speak about this or could you talk about this? And, and what people do instead of thinking about how they're going to share a good story, they think about what should go on the slides. And then to make it worse, they read the PowerPoint slides to you. That's
0: the You worst. know, it's like why
1: am I, why am I going anywhere to listen to you read the slides? And I could just read them later on. So think about what are you most comfortable with. What system is holding you back? Um, like I even um, I even noticed this um, when I sometimes when I do um, like PR kind of writing, you know, so like. When I do a blog post, super easy, right? So I think about the blog post, I just it just kind of, you spit it out. Once you have, you know what you're going to talk about, you just write it, there you go, it's done. But PR writing sometimes is still, you think, like, this is how it needs to sound, even though it doesn't necessarily need to sound like that. But, but there's still this ingrained, probably outdated methodology, right? So you try to make it fit into that, whether or not it fits or not, um, you still try to. And I think that's what happens. People think this is how it needs to sound. This is how it needs to look. So this is how we're going to make it work. And what happens is because it's, because first of all, it's a boring way to do it anyway. They sound boring or they sound like they're reading a slide to you or, or whatever it might be. And the other thing is, um, sometimes people don't necessarily share the right details. You know, my favorite example is, I mean, like some of the, the, the stories I've heard, they're like, oh, today. So I walked down the hallway, and then on the left, you know, on the left, there's like this one bathroom, and then first is the women's, and then there's the man's, and then you walk by there, and there's a water fountain. And like, I mean, I, have you tuned out yet? Yes. Right? Yes. Yeah. So like, right, like nobody cares. has nothing to do with anything. And so we pick the wrong details, and that sometimes is boring. And the, Picking the right details is actually really hard to do, um, because you know sometimes we have varying audiences, right? Um, mm-hmm. And one uh, one blog post that's publishing here, I think in um, in a little bit, is it's about like meetings, you know, like or, or conference talks even. But like if we don't know what what we want the audience to do, or and that doesn't mean they always have to buy from us, but we want them to feel something or do something or or endorse something, if we don't know what that is, we might be boring, you know, so if somebody says to me, I want you to buy into this new project, and I'm like, oh, okay, tell me about it, and they go through like this 59-point checklist of how they determined to do whatever they were doing, right, Mm -hmm. that might be really boring to me, because all I need to know is that it really doesn't do any, like, it doesn't do anything different for me, than how it used to be, but it looks a little different and it helps another team, for example, right? So you have to think about what do we actually need them to know and what do we want them to to do? And then you just kinda um, put some fun into it, you know? Uh, Remember that you think of yourself as you're the entertainment, you know? Like, make it fun, make it, um, you know, if it's not a two series of a um, story, maybe make a joke, smile. You know, yeah. or, or be real.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and and oftentimes that could be one of the hardest things to do. You know, is to inject some fun and and or a joke or get a something. You know, inject something into into your talk, which can be really difficult. And yep, absolutely. Uh, you know, I I just find I found for me if I'm doing a talk too that instead, let's say I have like to do a two hour. Talk. What what I do sometimes that helps is to kind of break it up into forty five like three forty five minute pods or four thirty minute pods, and talk about one aspect of the talk in that first pod, and then have a Q and A, and then talk about the second aspect and then a Q and A. Versus just doing a long one hour and forty five minute talk where you're going to probably lose some people and then say, well, I'm only going to take your questions at the end of this really long talk. Because then most people kind of forget what you talked about in the beginning and or they don't stick around to even ask the question. Right. You know, Mm -hmm. so I found that that's a good way to kind of at least make it somewhat dynamic and a little bit more fun. Um, but that's, you know, I don't do many talks, but that's what I found that helps for me. So if someone out there is thinking that they have to do a long talk, if you break it up a little bit, sometimes that can help. Um, okay. So we are, like I said, kind of running short on time, which is too bad because I do have a million other questions to ask, but I'd have you here for another two hours. Um, and I don't think that's what you signed up for, but, um, What if you were to give someone two or three uh, pieces of advice when it comes to storytelling and when it comes to getting that story out into the world, what would it be?
1: Yeah, so so here's really the here are really the steps to get going. First of all, come up with what it is that you want to do with your life. Um, Write that down. Right. And then figure out what is your expertise What's your passion? Write that down. And then just um, start sharing your stories and start sharing them. So start um, writing them down, start sharing them on, on whatever the currently um, important network is. And then um, the next thing is, and I think this is a culture, we're actually fairly bad at this, especially is also be accepting of other people's stories and be accepting of that it, you know, there's multiple versions of the same story, and I, I mean, I'll maybe uh, we'll see if you've had this experience. But have you been at an event where the media covered the event and you read the article in the paper the next day? Have that has that happened to you?
0: It has, yeah, for sure. Okay, and
1: was the was the article when when you read the article? Were you thinking was that the same event that I, I went to? I was
0: just gonna say that sometimes I'm like, was was I there? <laughs> Did I not? Right. Yeah. The,
1: Yep. So what happens is, and so obviously when, when that happens to people, it happens to all kinds of people happens all the time. People say, Oh, the media can't get it right. But actually what's happening is there's some things they're undisputable. I get it. But most of the time, what happens is whoever covered the event just saw a different story or had a different perception of the same story, right? And and that's okay to a degree. Now, in some instances, you know, there's only one correct answer, or there's not there's some answers that are not acceptable necessarily, like you know, in, in, in if it's like a crime or something like that. Um, but but ultimately there's there's multiple versions of the same story. I mean, just talk to some police officers who are trying to cover an accident, you know, they get like eight different versions from um, you know, about the same incident. So that's another thing, share your own story, be accepting of others. Don't try to please everybody. Uh, It doesn't work. In fact, you know, one thing you know it's working is because not everybody loves you and people are actually starting to say, um, we, yeah, we disagree or whatever, you know, they don't necessarily like you and that's okay. Because that means that you're kind of hitting your stride. But what you want to have happen is that your target market, you know, they do love you, right? Not everybody will love you. Like I had somebody the other day say to me, they didn't like my workshop because they don't do storytelling. I'm like, well, everybody can do storytelling. She goes, well, I don't have to. My marketing team does it. And, you know, so ultimately they were not quite in my target audience yet, right? They could get there mm-hmm. at some point, because everybody can do it, but they're not necessarily there yet. So those are the, the key ingredients to get started, and then um, keep going.
0: Yeah, and I think all really great advice for anyone out there who's thinking about getting their story out into the world, or maybe who's already has a blog, or is active on social media and telling stories, I think you can never hear this advice enough. So I thank you so much for coming on and sharing all of this knowledge with us today.
1: You bet. Thank you for having me.
0: Sure. And now where can people find you? What are you what are the big areas that you're in?
1: Yeah, so um, obviously my uh, my blog is authenticstorytelling.net. Um you can check that out of course. Um, I I claim I publish once a once a week. Usually it's um, much more often than that. It's kind of, you know, when you, um, it's like exercise, right? Once you're in it, you kind of keep going. Uh, Twitter is also a good place at the trap to connect on there as well.
0: Great. And everyone, don't worry if you're in the commute or you don't have a pen handy to take all this down. It's all at the show notes at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com and we'll have all the links and it'll make it really easy for you to click and, and subscribe to Christoph's blog. It really is fun and informative and it's the stories are great. So again, thank you so much for coming on. <laughs>
1: You bet. Thank you again for having me.
0: And anytime. And everyone, you can follow me at Karen Litzy NYC on Instagram and on Twitter. And again, go to podcast.healthywealthysmart.com to get all the info from today's show. Have a great week and stay healthy, wealthy, and smart.